You're listening to Movers and Shakers, the SailMove podcast on customer experience. SailMove, delivering the in-person customer experience online. To learn more, visit SailMove.com. Hi, I'm Jeffrey Mack, Director of Marketing at SailMove, and welcome to another episode of Movers and Shakers, SailMove's podcast on customer experience. Today, our CEO, Dan McKelly, speaks to Taryn Douglas, the head of the platform team for Merrill Edge and Financial Center Sales at Bank of America. In this episode, we talk about the unique customer experience challenges that the financial services industry faces and how a whole new way of thinking can help overcome them. We'll also discuss Bank of America's new guided investing and the role that artificial intelligence plays in easing customers into investment products. Finally, we'll touch on the role of humans in a world where bots are becoming increasingly more popular. Welcome to another episode of Movers and Shakers, the customer experience podcast. Our mission is to find leaders whose work influences customer experience and learn from the specific projects that they've worked on. So today our guest is Taryn Douglas. Taryn is the head of the platform team for Merrill Edge and and Financial Center Sales at Bank of America Merrill Lynch, where he is responsible for supporting all platforms utilized by Bank of America Financial Center Sales and Merrill Edge. In this role, he's focused on simplifying the desktop experience, building a 360-degree customer engagement platform, and driving process optimization to create a world-class digital customer experience. So I'm very excited to have Taryn on as a guest because he's incredibly forward-thinking while at the same time maintaining a focus on the classic principles that are so important when it comes to customer experiences as they relate to people's finances. So without further ado, welcome, Taryn. Thank you. Uh, Great introduction. Happy to be here. <laughs> um, so, Taryn, tell us, how do you define customer experience? Well, customer experience to me, in, in the terms of how I view it for, for my job, is how we measure our overall client experience or customer experience as they're engaging with our solutions across the various channels, across the various journeys. So to me, it's it's very much an exercise in, in measurement of the satisfaction of that experience as well as ease of use, frictionless you know, transition, and just the overall view they have of us at the end of that experience. And what what components of that measurement are qualitative and quantitative? And how do you kind of sort of create a holistic holistic metric for that? Yeah, it's a it's a great great question. So there, I try to quantify as much as possible, right? It's 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 a better way to measure um, if you can quantify it, so you can compare over time, and uh, you can have a model to review success with core KPIs around your success metrics as you're looking at the client experience. But there's also you know a, a good amount of subjectiveness that you get through you know through verbatim feedback, through usability testing. And um, from journey mapping exercises and other other ways to to help measure the the level of the experience, uh, but it, it's really look, just looking at the steps of the experience as they engage, how they choose to engage, right? Looking at different personas, different types of customers, how they're choosing to uh, interact with your with your your products, with your solutions, and then measuring how effective you are at meeting their expectations or exceeding their expectations at the various steps throughout that process, whether it's something as simple as 
you know, changing your address on your, you know, on your Merrill Edge investing account, or whether it's coming in for the first time uh, as a novice uh, investor looking for solutions that may meet your, your investing needs based on some life event, and, and you need uh, an in-depth, you know, a more an in-depth engagement and, and experience with us that would include um, a, a broader subject, of, you know, broader group of topics or content or solutions that we may need to uh, need to help you engage with. Right. And it's always a challenge to kind of try and find those points and how to ask the customer about their experience, how to gather the information that you need without putting the customer off and how to then feed that back into the process, you know? Yep. That's where it really is. It's more quantitative, right? You can measure the, based on customer behavior, you can measure success, right? You can, you can mm. determine based on how they're flowing through a, a digital process very, you know, very in a very straightforward way. If they're if they're failing to complete, right, or they're failing to to get where they were going, right. You come in, you can recognize a certain intent. If they do not succeed in that, or they get off the path and and, and fail to another channel or 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 whatnot, then then you you fail to meet expectations, right. And so you can measure that very quantitatively without even asking the client whether you've succeeded, right. There, right. The other side is kind of that post interaction survey type model. Mm-hmm. Where, where you can get that more subjective feedback from them that you can plug into the overall model. Uh, but you really need to, to look at all the factors you can gather to measure that experience. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're absolutely right. It, it, it's kind of an, an explicit versus an implicit style of measurement, right? Where I'm, I'm, gathering, I'm gathering information based on usage and based on, uh, as, like you said, the, the actual flow through the process. So tell me, how do you think about uh, customer experience as it applies to financial services uh, versus other industries? Well, I think customer service uh, or customer experience overall, especially in the digital space, has is, is really, um, really lagged in the financial services space versus a lot of the other, other industries where you've seen technology allow them to really transform the way that they engage with their clients, um, either you know through traditional you know, storefronts and, and, and branches, et cetera, as well as the way you engage with them uh, in, the, in, the, in the new digital you know, exclusive channels. So um, there's a lot of reasons for that, right? You've got a lot of regulation that says what you can and can't do, but then there's also a lot of uh, kind of antiquated thinking, mm-hmm. right? When, when financial services you know, started you know, creating websites and, and having digital experiences where you could log in and do online banking and other things, they just took the internal systems that they used and and you know painted them better colors and and gave them to the client and said here's what here's what we do for hmm. you normally you do it right it wasn't very um, you know there was not really any focus on UX there was no focus on uh, making it easier it was really just here's you know here's a way you can do it yourself um, and and it's very spreadsheet oriented and not very friendly and not very engaging and so that really uh, trans you know translated into the the you know, the financial centers or the branches or the other areas where they would engage in traditional channels, or maybe they introduced some technology for efficiency, but it really wasn't changing the experience. And in some cases, it was actually making the experience worse uh, because you were doing things to optimize operations that were actually an inconvenience for the client, um, mm-hmm. as well as the additional regulation with, um, you know, with all the identity management and things we have to do as a result of uh, of all the new, you know, Cybersecurity and and homeland security measures that are out there, it's made it harder for us to uh, to be you know very friendly in, in in making a good customer experience. 
So I think that's changed over the last, you know, the last five years or so. You've really seen a shift in financial services overall to recognize it is all about the client experience, right? It's really a commoditized business. We've got mm-hmm. to look at it differently. If we want to differentiate ourselves, we've got to transform the customer experience. You've got to look at, you know, the kind of experiences that, that Uber provides and others provide that just make people's lives better. And you've got to have that point of view on that. And um, and we've seen, you know, a lot of fintechs come out and, and, and do this, right? They've created new and innovative ways to simplify little pieces of the financial services industry, right? Nobody's really tied it together and and looked across your, you know, your financial wellness overall, but there's definitely been a lot of innovation in pockets by a lot of the new fintechs. And then you've seen, you know, behemoths like Bank of America and, and Chase and others begin to uh, begin to really push the envelope in this space as, as uh, we're investing heavily in the client experience and, and having a, overall client-centric view across the entire enterprise. Yeah, you know, and I think that one of the biggest challenges is is what you were what you were talking about just there is that consumers today are really not necessarily focused on your peers as uh, sort of the the point of comparison when it comes to the customer experience. They are focused on what what is part of their lives. You know, what what are the applications that they're using? What are the customer experiences that they're exposed to on a day to day basis? So that makes it even more challenging to deliver high quality because. In addition to having sort of uh, maybe gotten off on the wrong foot in the financial services industry, where where the customer experience was initially lacking, now to convert that the, the bar is the, the bar is very high, right? Absolutely. Now we talk about that all the time. I mean, we're we're competing against you know a bunch of, of companies in the same kind of boat we're in, right? Um, and and we've really got to jump. To be digital, you know, we talk about being digital leaders, right? We we want to be recognized as pushing the envelope uh, in in the customer experience um, arena, and and being a leader, not you no know, not a follower or a distant follower, as we have, you know, you could argue we have been um, until the recent history. And, you, and you're right, but it's 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 harder, right? And that's the thing, it, it, you know, they always say, right, if it was easy, everyone would do it. There's a reason we've all collectively, um, you know, been challenged here, and even the, the fintechs that have been successful in, in improving different areas, they've kind of grabbed onto pockets of things that were that were easier to do, right? But to to really tie it all together uh, across all the different you know lines of business and, and different types of financial uh, services, it, it gets very difficult to provide the kind of seamless experience you can do as a retailer or as a provider of a of a very specific type of services like in, you know, an Uber or an eBay or whatever it may be mm-hmm. um, that, that's, um, this just doesn't have as many controls that you've got to work around. Our box is much more rigid and it makes it much more difficult for us to, uh, to provide that kind of experience, but customers aren't forgiving of that, right? They don't know. They don't care, right? They want it to be just as easy. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've got to make that happen and that's our challenge. And now do you think that ties back to the differentiation piece that you're talking about, the commoditization, the, the, the difficulty in sort of the fact that maybe there isn't necessarily a physical good tied to these, uh, to, to, to these services that you're providing? Uh, do you think that's kind of what makes that challenge? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's, that's core to it. And uh, it, everything, at the end of the day, it, it is all the commoditization. And, and really, financial services, if you think about it, is the means to the end, right? You're not using, um, you know, Bank of America 
because you're getting something out of it, right? It's it's going to get you to the thing you want, right? Whether yes. that's um, you know a leisurely retirement, whether that's a new car, whether it's a new home, uh, a new kitchen, right? Whatever it may be, you're really talking about financially empowering yourself to get to get the thing you want, and you just want it to be easy, and you want it to be efficient, and you don't want to feel like you're getting ripped off. I mean, that's that's what the customer looks at. And so as it becomes more and more of a commodity, the frictionless experience, the ease of use, um, the kind of collective uh, benefit, right? When you talk about things like Bank of America has with our preferred rewards programs that are more holistic and, you know, they make it just easier for you to transition across our solutions as well as as increasing the value of them. Um, But the price elasticity becomes less and less of a factor, Right, as you begin to look at the overall experience, because the price point for so many of these solutions has frankly gotten driven down so low that you know the differences between A, B, C, and D are, are fairly insignificant in the grand scheme of things, and the experience becomes a bigger um, a bigger part of the equation in, in people's decisions. Right, and you know, I find it I find it really interesting to think about it from that sort of means to an end standpoint, the goal standpoint. Now, how do you relate that to the customer experience? Because that's a that's a fascinating kind of link there in itself, right? How do we take the fact that this is a means to an end for most customers that they're looking at it as okay? How do I get to my goals, right? How do you take that and infuse it into the customer experience within your different products and within your different platforms? Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on it with the term goals. So we, we look at goal a goal-based model as the cornerstone of our engagement, right? So uh, all the research that, that, that we've done and third-party research we've, we've, uh, we've, you know, we've, we've read indicates the same kind of overarching trend. It's that clients are more concerned with having the plan, feeling like they're doing, you know, making progress against the plan, than they are necessarily about individual performance of a portfolio or individual pricing, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So the, one of the largest factors is, do I have a plan that I feel good about? And am I, and am I making progress against that plan or, or do I have what I need to make progress against that plan? You know, knowing that I have a big part of the deliverable here to, to execute on what, what I'm agreeing to. Right. Um, so that's, that's a big driver for us. So when you look at the client experience, it's like, how can you help them understand the path? And then tell them where they are on the path, whatever that may be, whether it's you know buying your first home, or you know getting getting ready to uh, to retire or send your children to college and, uh, and and help them begin their financial lives. And that's a big part of our business at Bank of America, as we have clients that that do the whole journey with us, right? That maybe mm-hmm. have had their first checking account with us in the in the fifties, right, and uh, or sixties, and now you know they're they're uh, you know at the end of their, you know, their, their retirement and, and they're dealing with their grandchildren and they're helping them, or, you know, they're the parent that stayed the same path. And we open about, you know, 25% of our, um, you know, of our, our new checking accounts through this, you know, college experience as people are going away to college and their parents are opening accounts with them. Right. So these are, these are very big pieces of our, of our business as we look multi-generational as well as, you know, within, within the, uh, the, the micro journeys of uh, of the daily lives of our clients. So, to us, it's important to have that, and that's how we we create that you know that experience that's overriding. And you know the the products and solutions. You know we're just focused on value, right? We want to make sure that we're providing them the best value, and um, that you know that means 
you know, looking at it holistically and the breadth of the relationship will help us provide you a better value. And so we're very transparent about that with um, our rewards programs and everything else. We want to be very clear on our pricing and, and visible on what things are going to cost you. We don't want to be, you know, have hidden fees and other things. And you'll see that um, become more and more a part of our message. Hmm. That's really interesting. Uh, so I, I think that's actually a really interesting segue into the the, 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 pro, the featured project for today, which is guided investments. I think sort of that, that concept of goals, transparency, and the fact that Bank of America is so uniquely positioned to have these customers that have been with you for so long and have uh, have very rich journeys with the company. So can you tell us a little bit about guided investments? What's that about? Yeah, so guided investing, uh, really, it's, it's been something we've been developing for over two years now. We just recently uh, did the national launch on it. And, and what guided investing was is a solution that would be that introduction to investing for a lot of our clients. Uh, when you really looked at, at the space, you looked at the changing marketplace, the changing environment, and you know looked at what a lot of the fintechs were doing right, with a robo-advisor approach. You have a, a lot of... You have a definitely pent-up need or a, or a difficult kind of uh, marketplace situation for clients that are ready to be investing, right? So they maybe have you know, their checking account and they have goals and they maybe go as far as opening a savings account, but they're, just, they're, not, um, they're not really prepared because of our education system, because of, of just the way that, that uh, the, the things are in the United States with, with learning to manage money. Uh, it's traditionally been, well, at some point you just talk to somebody and they'll help you. And that was the way it happened, right? And so with our goal-based framework that starts with, you know, micro goals or, or tactical goals on the consumer space where you're maybe just taking your savings account and allocating percentages of it out to your next vacation or your new refrigerator, um, you, you introduce this idea of a bigger goal or a longer-term goal. And it was great to introduce that concept, but then now what do I do about it, right? And so you kept doing the, the old thing of about, okay, well, why don't you talk to somebody, come to our office or, you know, call us and talk to one of our advisors and become, you know, a, a, get a financial advisor, right? That was the traditional thing you did. And nothing had really changed there, right? Um, with some of the innovation in the industry, you, you saw a thing, you know, this idea of a, of a robo-advisor. So we're mm-hmm. going to replace that traditional advisor relationship with some digital experience that allows you to, um, you know, to, sim- to simply open an account and call, you know, select a, a portfolio, for lack of a better word, and get invested, right? And then it would, it would just rebalance for you and, and you felt like, okay, now I'm making some progress. And it was very simplistic and most of them were very standalone. But we were really looking at it from the point of view of, the, of a continuum of that whole journey, right? As I deepen my relationship and now I'm beginning that journey I want it to be more integrated. I want it to be tied to what I've done in the past. I want it to be informed by, by the other things I do with you, whether it's you know, having a, a loan with you or having um, other engagements with your services for payments and other things. And it's an integrated experience, and it's a simple several clicks from, you know, you're making a deposit with your phone to your, your, in, your opening this account, right? And it's based on all the relationships you have already connected in your ecosystem at Bank of America, if you've got external accounts and family members, but it's all tied in. And it's Mm -hmm. just the expansion of that simple goal into a more complex goal, right? That's got a longer time horizon. And we're going to help walk you through, okay, here's the things you should be considering. 
as you're, you're planning for the goal. And here's us helping you assess how much risk you're willing to take and how much risk you should take and getting you into a managed portfolio that is the same managed portfolio that you could get as a $10 million, you know, Merrill Lynch client, right? These are mm-hmm. portfolios that aren't managed by an algorithm, right? This isn't taking and building an algorithm and putting a website over it that's going to invest your assets for you. And you're just turning over the keys to the algorithm. And and we all know algorithms are great, but you, you see things like the flash crash that happened <laughs> a couple of years back and, and some other things where algorithms are programmed to behave and react to things that happen. And so, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's potential there that you're not going to get an optimum investing strategy. You're not going to be as well prepared for shocks to the market. Um, and, and we feel like we've offered a better solution that's going to offer you a better quality portfolio management, that same digital uh, ease of use and ease of engagement. So it's really getting the best of both worlds. And it's, it's a nice you know, fit for those clients that that's what they need. As your needs become more complex, you know, you're going to outgrow the, this type of a, of a solution and you're going to need to engage, you know, probably with some of the, the more broader, more advanced solutions that we can offer that would be something you would work with our advisors on. Uh, so it really filled that gap in the continuum mm-hmm. as well, and it helps them recognize when they need that additional help. And then really, really moving towards that clarity of, of fees is the other big piece of this, right? So it's almost like the car wash approach, right? You're, you know, this is what you get for for this type of investing, here's the next you know, level up, here's the premium and et cetera, right? You're just adding features and they come with the associated cost, but it's very transparent, right? We're taking all of that, you know, behind the scenes, you know, kickbacks or whatever you want to call them that they're, they're talking about in the news and everything, right? And we're just putting it out there in the open and saying this is all built on low cost, you know, optimum performance, and then there's associated fees with it. So it's very straightforward as far as, as what you're paying, you know, paying us to help you do this. Right. So no, I think pull I, it all together. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's, it's impressive to think about how Bank of America is very uniquely positioned to provide this sort of offering because of the client base uh, that you, that you have, in addition to all of the thought leadership, all of the investment professionals that, that, that work for the broader organization can come in and inform this guided investing experience or this guiding investing platform um, and, and, and really make it into something that stands uh, that stands above a lot of the offerings in the market. Now, what I wonder is when you when you think about it, a lot of the earlier robo advisors, their challenge is kind of promotion, getting out there. Uh, getting in front of new customers with Bank of America, that's not a challenge. What are the challenges that you that that you have had to overcome in in creating a customer journey where clients are signing up for uh, guided investing and sort of progressing along that journey that you that you were describing just now? Yeah, I mean that you you had you you indicated one that's not been a problem, right? Is we have a ton of customers, we have great relationships with a lot of of, uh, of Americans. So this was an easy, um, that was an easy aspect of it. The, the challenge is really um, building something that, that was the right fit, that had the right, you know, the right messaging and was helping to cater the client to the right solution, right? So that's the bigger challenge uh, for us is we want to make sure you get the best solution for your needs. And so positioning and messaging 
and explaining that is, mm-hmm. it seems like it might be easy, but it's not right. It's you, it, without becoming intrusive and becoming like a big questionnaire to get you right to where you need to go. Help get somebody there. And frankly, people like we talked about the video call, they don't have the patience for that, right? They want you to get, give them, you know, three, four quick, you know, options and let them pick the one they want, right? They want simplicity or, or even no options. Just put them in the one that makes sense and tell them why you're doing it. Um, so that's the bigger challenge is, you know, knowing that we have the full breath and we we need to be, uh, you know, relationship aware on where you are in your life and, and what the challenges you face are. And, and you know, it, it may not be the best thing for you necessarily to you know, put all of your free cash in an investment account and you should be, you know, paying down credit cards, right, as an example. So um, because we're not just focused on let's get you open an account with us because we want your business and put as much money as you can in it, right? And and that's not that's not the model, right? That's That's not going to benefit our clients overall. We want to be more holistic and we want to be, you know, a destination for advice and guidance and you just happen to use our solutions as a result, right? That's the best way to think about it. Uh, we're not pushing, you know, product. We're not pushing price. We're pushing the overall value of the relationship. So that's the hard part, right? Because you've got to present these things in a way in an appropriate context as they're engaging with us on an everyday basis, right? Because most of our customers engage with us via, you know, online banking or walking into a financial center. And so how do we engage them in that process and, uh, and help them uh, along the path? Right. And and do it in a way that's not intrusive. Right. Because we're not pushing product. We want to just help them realize the needs they have and that we can really help them with it in a way that others can't. And and Taryn, you you were you were touching on something there that I also am pretty interested in is is the branches. Right. And and the financial centers like how does how do they fit into this equation? Right. How, How do you think about. Uh, the physical lo- locations nowadays and how they tie into this guided investing platform that you've created. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's hitting on the, 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 the point I made around the, um, you know, the way we engage with our clients and the, and the focus on guidance and advice. Right. And so at the end of the day, uh, people still like physical high touch for guidance and advice. And, you know, and you're seeing this, even in the fintech space, where a lot of the fintech players are are pushing into the in-person space, or at least the you know, high-touch space, where they're beginning to bring in advisors and 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 put them on the sidecar or premium offering of the robo um, solution that they originally went out with, right? And that's because at some point you want that reaffirmation that you're doing the right thing. So we talk about you know it's it's one thing to go online and go through a process and you get to the point where it says, okay, now do it. And then okay, maybe, I, maybe I, I need somebody to tell me it's okay. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want to have that uh, you know, Q&A or I want to just have that human interaction to, to reinforce that I've done it the right way, right? Because you're typically doing something you're not very familiar with. I mean, unless you're a financial services professional, this stuff is out of the realm of what you normally deal with. And so you're learning as you go. Um, and, and, that's generally the case. Like I talked about with the way we educate, the way we grow up in this country, you have a lot of people that just, they don't have the background to know what to do. 
And so it's a, that's why it's critical for us and critical in, in our industry to have that high-touch experience, whether that's connecting you in a digital way with a, hum, you know, with a human interaction, whether that's you know, video or just over the phone or via chat uh, or in person. Right. And uh, some some people prefer one versus the other more. And and at the end of the day, they like the local presence. Right. So you talk about having financial centers as destinations for guidance and advice. They may rarely go to the financial center, but knowing they can is part of it. Right. And knowing mm-hmm. that they that they will occasionally go there. And frankly, we still need to have them there for certain transactions where you have to do things in person because the way money works and coins and everything else, like we can't do everything digitally anymore. So we still have a need for them there for the transactions as well. But but ultimately, it's really a local presence in the market so that you can be a part of the community, be engaging with your clients, have a destination for them to go to in person, which will probably be more and more rare in the future. Um, but they're still there and they are still local. So even if you're connecting over video or chat or phone, they still like the local presence, right? So it's important. And a lot of it is about the you know, comfort and, and branding and, and the other things that go with that physical presence. So you'll start to see an evolution of our physical presence to flagship locations with specialists that are located in them that can serve all of your needs in, in high visibility areas. You'll continue to see transactional support in, you know, in the breadth that we offer today across all types of communities. And you'll see in the introduction of new spaces that are that are very light on personnel, right? They're going to be very heavily kind of next generation ATM focused with mm-hmm. allowing people to do what they need to do physically with coins and other things without necessarily needing a traditional teller experience. So you're going to see an evolution, but we absolutely believe the physical presence is a big piece of, of financial services overall. And it's a big strength that we have at Bank of America with almost 5,000 locations. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and, and let's dive into a little bit more about that sort of connection and, and the human touch that comes along with the physical locations and also the different the, the different methods of communication that you described through the, through the web or, or through the digital channels, right? What is it about that human connection that's so important? I think that you touched on something, sort of the trust component, being able to feel comfortable with my decision, ensure that you know that that maybe maybe taking the emotion out of it a little bit having somebody to to go back and forth with and ensure that you know i i have comfort before pulling the trigger on something what are what are the what are the most important pieces of that human component that that you've identified in your experiences yeah i think it's it's a combination of that reassurance right sometimes you just want that reinforcement that you're 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 doing it right like did did i follow the instructions correctly you know before i put my child in this bike can somebody that's an expert look at the bike and make sure i built it right you know it's those kinds of of reassurance that that sometimes you need right and that's that's where people turn to the, the high touch the people that have the 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 credentials or whatever it may be to help reassure them that they're doing it right, right? So they're still doing it themselves. They're self-servicing, but they just need that reassurance. In many cases, you need it for education, yeah. right? So a lot of the high touch is just, I, I don't feel like I'm prepared to do what I need to do. And so I need that guidance and education. So it's not necessarily that I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to educate me on what I should be looking at, how I should be uh, investigating this, and then you know making sure I have access to the tool, tools and pointing me to the tools. So this can be done with some self-service today, 
but you still need need some help a lot of times, and you want that you know with that extra high touch guidance to reinforce the areas that that are going to be more important to you that help get you started and get you going. Um, and then you become more self-sufficient, right? As you kind of learn to fish, you become you become self-sufficient. So that those are that's the other big aspect of it. Um, and then and then there's the final aspect of it. Just some people don't want to do it themselves. They really want somebody to do it for them. And uh, and so they're going to want to delegate these kind of things and just make sure that the person they're working with really understands what they need and really understands where they want to go. And that is best facilitated in a traditional human-to-human interaction, uh, whether that's you know having technology facilitated or not. Absolutely no, and the, the, it, it ties back also to that trust component. I think for the for the latter group that you just were talking about, it just being able to feel that I have a history with my advisor and that they understand me, and you know that ultimately I want to I want to take myself out of the equation and, and hand it off to somebody that I'm you know I can trust. So I think that that's, that's for that latter group, that's the, the important factor. Yeah, exactly. And it is a trust thing of knowing that it is a real person, right? And it is somebody that I can see and touch here. Um, it's not just a nameless avatar, right? They, they, they want the humanization because you have to have that for the trust, right? And that may change over time, right? I think people are becoming more, uh, you know, more comfortable with you know, robotics and self-driving cars and putting their trust in, you know, in and in nameless, you know, faceless avatars, or I guess they have names and faces, but they're not human, uh, but they're putting their trust in them uh, in ways they haven't in the past. And that may continue to evolve. But at this point, we, we aren't seeing that become the norm. Yeah. And I think, you know what I think, in, in my opinion, what, what ends up, I think what ends up becoming the, the future state is a hybrid model, right? Where you have this uh, enhanced the, the, the human connections enhanced by technology or the human touch enhanced by technology, which I think is, you know, ultimately where it's going to end up taking and leveraging all of the great things that all the efficiencies that we can create with with technology, all the data that we can get from technology and empowering humans with that data, advisors with that data to serve their clients better. Yeah, I mean, and, and people want it, right? You hear people say it all the time in, in their commentary. Why do I have to deal with a person to get this done? Why can't I just do this? You know, and, and there's times when humans are an inconvenience, right? They're, sure. they're part of the process you don't want. Uh, but then there's a lot of times that you do want it, right? And so when we come back to the, the looking at the customer experience overall, sometimes the expectation of that, you know, of what they're trying to do is that they won't need to deal with the person. And we need to make sure we fulfill on that. But then there may be other journeys where they expect a person, right? And we got to fulfill with that. And so it's all about looking at CX and the journeys overall and meeting the expectations based on the type of client, right? Because Absolutely. the expectation is going to be different based on who it is. So we've got to make sure we're covering all our bases. Balance and curation. Yep. That's right. Exactly. So I think that fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, you know, how, how you've been thinking about guided investing. I, I, I think that it's a really exciting area of development and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more as uh as you work through uh, those customer journeys. So uh, I, w- I wanted to wrap up here with some of our lightning questions and ask you, you know, how important is the customer experience organizationally at Bank of America? I think just overall. Yeah, so uh, customer experience is, is, I would say, our most important measurement at this point. Uh, we look at CX, our core KPIs are tied to our client experience scores that we are uh, tracking. 
and um and we're you know we're, we're we've turned the corner and our i would say on the, the definitely the upswing in customer experience so it's part of every discussion we have at the top of the organization is that right and, and it's communicated broadly to everybody as as a critical metric for success Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the core things people are measured against for their performance. Um, when you look at the, you know, their role in the organization and if you're tied to that customer experience, it's part of, uh, part of every discussion about performance. Like, are you succeeding? Is your group con- succeeding? And, and um, are we moving the needle in the right direction? Because we recognized, you know, a few years ago that, um, that we were going the wrong way in this space and that if we were going to be maintain relevancy and maintain our market position, we needed to, we needed to turn that corner. Yep, absolutely. And, and in, in sort of to finalize and to, I guess, put the exclamation point on this podcast recording, what does the future of customer experience look like to you then thinking about how it's, how it's thought of right now within Bank of America, where do you see it all going? Well, I think you, you just you just see more of an organizational alignment around customer experience, right? So we still have a lot of traditional silos around products and specializations and how we deliver and build and, and ultimately run the business. And um, we have now this idea of CX within the different areas, right? And and we have some um, view across the, the group of part of where, about how things interact. Um, but, you know, we don't have a, you know, a chief customer experience officer as an example, but I think that's going to be a normal, you know, C-level role that's going to be a very powerful role in in companies as we go forward, right? So you're, you'll have them as maybe the most powerful role mm-hmm. in that, you know, in the C-suite as we go forward, looking at the client experience overall. And the other pieces are just components of how we maximize that client experience. And so I think that's where you're going to continue to see that shift. And it's going to really kind of elevate to that level of, uh, of organizational governance. And um, at that point, you know, everything goes with it, right? In some instances, you're still you're fighting that traditional battles um, around running an organization where oftentimes the the traditional goals and and CX clash, right? And it's not because we, we don't care about the client. It's just we're 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 in the process of re you know kind of regalvanizing what our KPIs are, and some of the traditional ones are still there, right? And so you've got to overcome that um, over time, right? And so it's going to happen via the organization and the way that it functions and the culture of the organization as a result. Absolutely, and it's 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 sort of because we're entering this era of mass customization and and customer expectations that are so so difficult to hit given that everybody feels like a very unique it just consumers feels like feel like a unique individual and you have to cater to that and so so organizations have to adjust and align around that expectation yeah absolutely and so you see that in the governance and the, and then the other big piece where this hits uh hits us is is the data right you've got to have a CX-focused data organization, because in order to deliver these experiences, to be cognitive, to be predictive, and to be most you know most influential or, or most frictionless for the client, we have to we have to have a, a CX focus on how we manage our data and how we understand the client and understand their behaviors. So that's yeah, another I, big aspect of it. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I could continue this conversation for hours, Taryn, and I, I really appreciate it. You know, this was fascinating to, to connect with you today. And uh, it's such a wide ranging conversation. I, I hope that we, you know, I hope that we get a chance to do this again. I think our, our listeners are really, really going to enjoy uh, this content here. Great. Well, I appreciate uh, the conversation. It's been great for me as well. And I uh, look forward to, to talking further. Absolutely. And to all of our listeners out there, keep making moves. You've been listening to Movers and Shakers, the Sale Move podcast on customer experience. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. To learn how SaleMove enables companies to provide an in-person customer experience online, please visit salemove.com.